So as Pastor mentioned, we're starting a sermon series on the nature of truth. And today, the theme is truth is divine. What exactly do we mean when we say such a thing? Truth is divine. If I asked you right now to explain it to me in a sentence, what would you say? What do you mean when you say truth is divine? I believe what we mean is that we are living proof that there is a living God and his name is Jesus Christ. How do we know? That's the very question that an old man once asked God himself. The old man's name was Abram, and he was over 90 years old, and his wife had been barren her whole life, and was now well beyond childbearing age. But God came to him and said, your descendants, like the stars, in this land, it will be theirs. And through them, the whole earth will be blessed. Abraham said, how do I know? God said, take a heifer, a ram, a goat, a dove, a pigeon, chop them in half, put them next to each other. And then God came down as a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch and passed through those pieces. Abram asked, how did I know? And God says, I showed up. I am the one. This sign, it testifies that what I said will be. Fast forward to Moses. That people, those descendants of Abram, are now a multitude, and God is about to do a new thing. And Moses, at the time, is an old man, and he's wandering in exile, tending his father-in-law's sheep. And God calls to him from a burning bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses sees, well, this thing is not normal. The bush is not being burnt up. So he goes over. And God says, I'm about to do a marvelous thing. That multitude, I'm going to bring them out of Egypt, and I'm going to use you. And Moses basically says, how can I know? And the God who was talking to him right there from a miraculously burning bush graciously gives him a couple more signs. He says, put your hand in your cloak and pull it out. And when he did, his hand was diseased. God said, put it back in and take it out again. And it's normal. God said, throw your staff on the ground. It became a snake and Moses started to flee from it. And God said, pick it up by the tail. And it became a staff again his hand. God was saying, Moses, this is true. I showed up to tell you that I am he, and these signs testify that what I say will be. The history goes on this way, generation after generation. You might be able to think of several more instances off the top of your head, whether with patriarchs or prophets or kings, where God speaks and then does something and attaches his name to it. Where he shows up, 
or he does a miraculous sign, and he says, this is how you'll know. God is a master teacher, and he teaches us divine truth by the most basic method. And he loves questions. We ask, God, how can we know? And he says, here, let me show you. If you want to teach a child about an apple, you don't just open your mouth and pop your lips and press your tongue, apple. You take an apple and you put it in their hand and then you do the mouth thing. Then they understand this is an apple. And if you want them to know more about an apple, you can take a bite and have them take a bite. And then they understand, oh, this thing is food and it tastes good. Then you can take them outside and you can pick it from the tree. And now they understand where, now they understand where it came from. And you can take the seed from inside the apple and plant it and watch that thing grow over five years and then you can pluck the fruit, sit under its shade and enjoy an apple together. Very early on, you could blindfold that child and put a whole bunch of fruit before them. And without seeing it, they can tell you which one is the apple. If you keep teaching that child over a long period of time about apple, they can get to the point where you just show them a piece of paper with little geometric shapes and lines with numbers and letters. And they can say, Apple. God has been teaching his people in the same way for thousands of years. He's been putting something before them, attaching his name to it. He's been speaking and fulfilling it. He's been demonstrating and saying, I am God. This is true. He's been doing only the things God can do for so long. And his people, they should have known. But instead, like children, they stopped up their ears and covered their eyes. And so God stopped speaking. God stopped showing. He stopped teaching. But those who had known, those who had seen and heard, they still knew. And when 400 years later, a priest came stumbling out of the temple and he could no longer speak, those people who had been taught by God, the first thing that came to them, oh, God is at work. God's that guy. When stories started circulating about wise men from the East worshiping a child, God. When angels start singing from the heavens to shepherds in the field, anybody who had learned anything from God knew Something big was going on. And then when Jesus grew up, the deaf are hearing, and the blind are seeing, and the dead are being raised to life, and crowds are being fed off a poor boy's lunch. Those who knew had no doubt in their mind 
and they called him God. But those who did not hear and rejected him merely called him teacher. It's a perfect snapshot in John's Gospel. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. Jesus was walking about in Solomon's colony. The Jews who were gathered around him were saying to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you don't believe me. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am the Father of one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works. For which one of these do you stone me? And they said, it's not for your good works. It's because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered, is it not written in your law? I have said to our God, to whom the word of God came, he called them gods. And what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I am God's son. Don't believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. With Abram, it was a multitude from impossibility. With Moses, it was a promised land for that impossible multitude. And now God says he's doing a new thing, eternal life for the whole world. That blessing of all people through Abraham about to take place. And those who saw Jesus, they understood. By the time Jesus told them what he was up to, what God was doing, the thing was already signed, sealed, and delivered. The prophets had been proclaiming his coming for thousands of years. All those signs that came before his birth testified. And now God is there standing before them in the flesh, speaking to them. And John says that there's enough space in the world to hold the books it would take to record all of the signs and wonders that Jesus did. So let those people thinking, this is it. The end, the end has come, right? Like now comes the, the afterlife. Everything beyond, everything is going to be made new. God has come down and he's going to do the thing that he's been 
working towards all of history. And they were right. But they were a little mistaken on how the whole thing was going to shake out. It wasn't that Jesus hadn't told them. He did. Over and over again. It was just that it was, it was too much. When Jesus showed up in the temple flipping tables, they asked for a sign. Prove how you have the authority to do this thing. And Jesus had said, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. When Nicodemus came by night asking about eternal life, Jesus told him plainly, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that all who see may believe and have eternal life. When the people wanted to know about this great leader who was going to take the people of God into the next age, Jesus told them about the Good Shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay it down of my own accord. No one takes it from me. Father has given me this authority and this command. And because I do, he loves me. But it was just too much. And I think as much as possible from this distance, I get it. You believe that God is standing before you in the flesh. He's the one, the Son who came from above to set us free. He's here, and now he's leaving. The one who has rested in the Father from eternity has come. Who can take him away? How can it be? And even though they didn't understand at the time, it happened. Everything was finished. The Son of Man was lifted up. The temple was destroyed and rebuilt. He did lay down his life and take it up again. And now, if you're tracking closely, you might say, well, Vicar, You've told us a lot about how they knew, but you haven't answered the question, how we know. Because last time I checked, I haven't seen any smoking fire pots, blazing torches, burning bushes, people being raised from the dead. It hasn't happened. And Jesus is still not here. So how can we know? And I'll tell you one more story about an old man. Many people were asking him that same question just 60 years after Jesus had been gone. Already in that short time period, the memory was beginning to fade, and they were starting to think things were back to normal. Maybe all that had happened when Jesus was on earth was just another microscopic, meaningless blip in history. Now we're back to reality. That was just an anomaly. That 
That old man wrote what we call John's Gospel in response to those people and their questions. And he recalls the scene. It's the night of Jesus' betrayal. And all the disciples are full of sorrow because they know Jesus is leaving. And they don't grasp exactly what it means. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and prayed, I am coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me. And I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am them and in you, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Do you see it? Jesus told us beforehand, even though we didn't get it at the time. He told us so that when historical truth caught up with eternal truth, we would know, believe, and rejoice. So that when he said, when what he said would happen did happen, it would be a sign to testify to all that was going to take place. And it's taking place. He had sanctified himself, and now we are sanctified and set apart for his work. It's happening. We are not of the world as he is not of the world. It's clear. None of you belong in this dark, evil place, but you're here because he sent you. sign today that says Jesus is God. So we ask the question, how can I know today? And God says, you, your life of faith is the very sign by which you know. The faith that I have created in your heart the desire for truth and light and love. All these things testify 
that I am He, and that what I said will be. Our lives testify that the truth is alive. Only those who have seen the light can walk in the light. Only those who know the true God can speak the truth. And only those who have been born by the Holy Spirit from above can say anything about the divinity of their Father. God is indeed doing signs and wonders in our day like never before. I'm looking at a whole room of them. Signs and wonders, signs and wonders. And as he sends you out into the world, God goes out into the world. And he takes his signs and wonders in his hand and points. That's how the world will know that Jesus is God. That's how the world will know that truth is divine. Amen.